The audio from today's episode is from No Putts Given, our new weekly YouTube show. Check it out at youtube.com slash mygolfspy. All right, so on to the U.S. Women's Open, and uh, Junyu Lee 6 was the winner, and this was her first career LPGA Tour victory at the Country Club of Charleston. Uh, it was the 13th winner of the championship in a row that was under 30, and she was the only player in the field with four rounds under par, which is hell of a round. It's uh, very well, tell you what. Yeah. So, um, if, you know, obviously, big story with her this week uh, was based on, unfortunately, the conversation around Hank Haney and the comments that he made. Yeah. And uh, he has been suspended. Uh, and if you want to go on and read, you know, why he was suspended, all that information is out there about the sexist and racism, uh, racist comments that were made by Hank. Um, we're not going, the purpose of this conversation is not to determine whether or not Hank Haney is right or wrong. I think it's a bigger picture uh, debate, and that is how do we actually solve the problems at hand in women's golf? And that, in my opinion, starts with communication. And if you want to have a conversation go from here to here, you don't have that on Twitter or social media nowadays. You have an actual debate uh, with intelligent people that can both come at it from different angles and hopefully at the end of it all get to a point uh, higher than they were before when they started. And it's unfortunate that social media has turned into what it is and 140 characters and snap judgments and everybody wanting to be right. But this isn't about who is right. Uh, it's about not telling me what the problems are, but let's come up with some hopeful solutions. And that being said, um, you know, this isn't a topic that we think men should be leading. This is a women's leading debate and topic and discussion. Mm, and while men need to be a part of that, uh, Anya Alvarez is on with us today. She was a member of the LP, played on the LPGA. She owns MajorLeagueGirls.com, and she has written for ESPN, The W, uh, The Guardian, and she's done commentary for the BBC and she has a podcast with the best name in golf called Talk Birdie to Me. Uh, Anya, welcome to uh, No Putts Given. And uh, love to have you on because I know you're super passionate about this. And I want to hear your opinion a little bit about what Haney said. But more importantly, how do we get from what he said to where we need to get in your opinion? And how can everyone help get us there, right? Well, you forgot to list that I also write for you guys now. <laughs> that is true. Anya is now a writer uh, for My Golf Spy. And, Minor details. <laughs> yes. And Tony uh, and Anya are working actually on this month, correct? Doing, uh, Tony, you want to talk about that? Yeah, it was, uh, I think it, it's something that's really cool. So as, as you may or may not know, June is women golf, Women's Golf Month. And so... Uh, been working with Anya on a series of profiles of women inside the golf equipment industry, which is a more difficult thing to find than, than you would hope at this point. Yeah, so do we want to give any names away that we might be talking to? or? Well, I, I mean, I don't know. I haven't seen all of them yet. So Anya, you want to let us know where we settled? Well, well yeah, we, we the profiles are on different women at King, Titleist, and PXG and cool clubs. So a variety of women in different sectors of the golf equipment industry. So I think people will be interested to learn their stories and how they got into into golf equipment. Very cool. Cool. Yeah. 
Well, I don't know anybody that has checked out Major League Girls. If you haven't, uh, my wife and daughter are big fans. We bought shirts. They wear them all the time. And uh, big fans of what Anya's doing. And so rounding that out and getting to the, the topic, Anya, you know, racism and sexism are real, right? I mean, no one can debate that, not only in golf, but in the world we live in today. And in golf, that's a handicap that the sport has uh, because – it is rooted in both of them pretty deeply and still is. And if you don't believe me, you can look no further than, you know, the most popular golf course in the world, and that's Augusta National. And it wasn't until 2012 uh, in the 500-year sport of golf that women were allowed to be members. So how do we get from where we are, Anya, in your opinion, to where we need to be and getting women to a legitimately equal platform, not only in viewership, how much they get paid, but everything and how they're treated. Well, I've been covering women's golf now for, I guess it's been about five years since I stopped playing. And my biggest issue that I see within women's golf is the lack of coverage that they receive. And even in just the most, in the simplest forms of social media posts that golf publications could be creating very easily and for free to promote the women and to let people know that tournaments are happening or to just give little insights on these players. Um, and it's just a lack of awareness that people have in terms of who these women are and actually how amazing these women are at what they do. And breaking down the stereotype that you have to hit it long and far in order to be considered an elite golfer. I think we can look at play players on the PGA Tour, for example, like Zach Johnson, uh, Jordan Spieth, you know, they don't hit it far in comparison to obviously like Bubba Watson or Dustin Johnson, but we would never say that they are not elite golfers and women are not given that same respect despite not most of them not bombing it off the tee and instead focusing on other parts of their game that make them exceptional players and world-class players. Yeah, I think you made a good point. Like the social media aspect they could be doing for free. And we were, sure. just, we were talking earlier about Ricky Fowler and you can expand on that, but you know, Ricky Fowler, go ahead. I mean, th that's a great analogy of something we could, or they could be doing for women's sport uh, on that side of it. Yeah. I mean, Ricky's obviously a really engaging player and he's fun to watch off the course. He does a lot of great work too with different charity work. And obviously before he got into golf, he was doing, BMX and, you know, Southern California kid who has a cool flair to him. And we've seen him on the cover of golf magazines how many times? And we've seen him on featured on the golf channel how many times? Like, you lose count. And someone like Lydia Ko, for instance, has never been on the cover of Golf Digest or Golf Magazine. But she's won more majors than Jordan Spieth has. And she's only 22 years old. How can you justify that? How, how do we not know more about her despite everything that she's accomplished in her eight years, seven years that she's been playing golf professionally? It's just baffling to me. And we don't do anything around the women to let people know about who they are off the golf course to be able to create that, that engagement so that people are interested in following their careers and following the LPGA. Well, Tony, what do you think about this? Meaning, um, do you think that 
comes down to a business decision, right? So is that just the magazines, the media going, hey, we know the ratings over here, so we'll cover that. And that's low hanging fruit. That's easy to, you know, to look at the numbers and go, that math works. And them just looking over here and going, yeah, we'd like to do that, but that doesn't make us any money. Is that as simple as this is, or is it more complicated than that, do you think? You know, I, I don't know the answer to that. I know that there's certainly a, a chicken versus the egg argument to be made, right? If our women's sports, women's golf not popular because it's not promoted, I mean, or is it is it not promoted because it's not popular? I, I don't know. There, there's probably some some meshing of those two where, where the truth lies. Uh, but the fact of the matter is there's, there's certainly not equal time given. There's not equal resources provided even to the golfers themselves. So, you know, one thing, question for you, right? Who leads the LPGA in strokes gained tee to green? I don't know the answer. I, I'm not sure anybody does because there's no shot link data for the LPGA. So <laughs> if you true. go, I mean, just, just, just go to PGATour.com and look at the stats that are available on the men's game, right? Everything imaginable. You go to the LPGA's website, the stats are old school, right? It's driving distance. It's fairway accuracy. It's greens regulation. Exactly. It's, it's the same stuff that, that sort of the men's game relied on for years or for eternity. None of the advanced analytics, those resources aren't given at the, at the women's level. And we know how important that is to, to identifying strengths and weaknesses in your game and improving, right? The men rely on that data. The women don't have access to anything like it. So you have those types of inequalities all over the place, right? When was the last time you saw a network cut away from a major on a, on a, on a Sunday night, right? Or even a Saturday afternoon, right? When it, it's not necessarily the final round. And I want to be clear, this didn't happen last night. But certainly there, there are situations where the women's coverage runs into something that's going to have higher ratings. And so it gets bumped to the golf channel. I mean, and that, it happens quite well, often. Not only so. that, Tony, but Anya was talking earlier about um, – this year at the at the Masters for the women, what what was the situation that happened there? The same week they had that, what else was going on? Yeah, I mean, so at the Augusta Augusta National Women's Amateur, it was during the same week as the LPGA's first major, the ANA, and golf media sent everyone to cover Augusta National, and didn't send anybody out to the ANA, and as a result, you had the LPGA competing for ratings versus Augusta National, which in my opinion, Augusta National should have talked to the LPGA first to make sure that they weren't going to put a tournament that was going to conflict with them. But yeah, you they wouldn't didn't see that. You them. wouldn't see that in men's golf, correct? You would never see that happen at, at, with men, ever. You would never see a major, a big amateur golf event being put on during the same week as a men's major. That would never happen. And For if sure. it did happen, golf media would find a way to cover both. <laughs> like it just, but you know, we talk a lot about like the, how women's golf isn't popular, but we only look at it from the scope of it not being as popular in the US. If you go to South Korea, you would find that women's golf there is bigger than men's golf. The KLPGA tour make, has higher purses than the men's tour there. The women are on billboards there. The women have to get bodyguards when they play tournaments. All right, so that, that is a perfect example right there. So how did that happen? Because I always think about that when U.S. is making political decisions, right? You go, well, look at other countries that have done things that have worked. And why wouldn't you at least try those things, right? So how did that become a thing where 
the women were more popular, they got bigger purses, and they're on billboards rather than the men because I'm sure there are some lessons to be learned in how they brought, elevated that, that game there in that country and could be done the same here. Well, I mean, I think they have Sari Pak to thank for all of that. She, uh, When she won the U.S. Open in 1998, she was the only South Korean on the LPGA Tour at the time. Ten years after she won, there were 30 South Koreans on the LPGA. She just she she inspired an entire country to care about golf. She was just kind of like this beacon of hope for them that went beyond being a sports figure, but they were going through a tumultuous political time. And she was just kind of this beacon for them. And as a result, golf courses started getting built. Golf academies started getting built. Uh, club manufacturers uh, started building clubs out of there. She is the reason why there's a huge golf economy now in South Korea. And so all these young girls that saw this woman become a national champion in the U.S. wanted to play golf or their parents wanted their daughters to play golf. So do you and think so that American a... golf needs an iconic figure like that, like an Annika Sorenstam or a Nancy Lopez again that drives that you know, engine drives that motor to where we need to get it to? Well, what ended up happening is that South Korea has a federation that actually invests in players there. So they will spend money to send players to the U.S. to train. And so even if they don't have an LPGA tour card yet, so they will have their coaching covered, their travel covered, everything covered, and they are literally just able to focus on golf. And they... and. People, the players there get sponsored. I know American players who have kept their tour card every year on the LPGA and have zero sponsors. And they play in every major every year. And they have zero sponsors. Club companies don't sponsor them. Nothing. So everything is out of pocket for them. So their, their livelihood is completely dependent on how they play. And they don't have any financial backing whatsoever. How can you as a player play freely when everything is dependent on you? And maybe also if you don't feel like you feel like you're doing everything that you can to succeed in your sport and no one is helping you. And you see all these Korean players who are covered in logos. Look at any Korean player on the LPGA Tour. They have sponsors. Every single one of them has a sponsor. Now, whether they're getting a million dollars or getting $50,000, I'm sure most LPGA players who don't have any sponsors would love a $50,000 check to help cover their expenses for the year. But you can't play with mental freedom when you're constantly worried about how you're going to pay for your next event if you don't play well. But there is the, that is the same thing with up-and-coming pros who are, just got their tour card. If they don't make enough money, they they lose their card. They might have a sponsor, they might not have yes, a sponsor. Yes, but the opportunities to men are much, oh, more, much uh, greater than, than they are. The, for, the, correct, than yes. the up-and-coming women. Yeah. It, I'm yeah. curious. I mean, what, to the best age? of my knowledge, there are, there are, I think, three companies that have a real presence in terms of, like, tour vans and equipment reps, three of the major manufacturers on the LPGA Tour. I think that's the extent of it. Um, as Anya said, the, the contracts aren't there. I'll take it a step farther. I'm, I'm not going to mention any names, but I, I spoke to a senior level equipment company executive two years ago who in passing told me that, and this is this is almost verbatim a quote here, that there is no bigger waste of marketing dollars than an LP, than sponsoring an LPGA player. 
So that that's kind of the view of the equipment, the equipment companies. And again, part of that cycles back around to the ratings, right? If you're not getting that TV time for your investment, it's it's really hard to justify it when you know most of these companies are publicly traded. You have shareholders to answer to, and so you you have kind of a distinction in the mindset between, hey, how how can we make money off this immediately? Versus what is, you know, Bob Parsons has said is his mindset on this type of thing is I'm, I'm doing it because it's the right thing to do. It's really just that simple. Well, there needs to be more people doing that. Yeah, for sure. The people that can need to do it because, I mean, a plant doesn't grow if you don't give it a little water, right? right. I mean, you have to support something before you necessarily look at it as a dollars and cents kind of thing. It's not like anything happens really that way. So, um, you know, Parsons is one of the first people to really step up and do that. Uh, and they're there needs to be more people because if it can happen over there, it can happen over here. The problem is it's happened over there. And then those players that are here are being looked at like they were by Hank Haney as not people, but last names. Right. And they were self induced, meaning uh, the winner of this week's open chain. I don't know if she officially changed her name, but she calls herself Lee six. Is that correct, Tony? Uh, it comes yeah. from the LPGA because she is the she was the sixth person on the KLPGA tour named Young uh, Moon Six. So yeah, and she it, said the uh, they asked her why, Jung, and she said why the, in, the why the Lee Six, and she said there are six players on the KLPGA with the same name, and I'm the sixth player with that name. But she kind of wears it with pride, though. I was watching Embrace the it. from yesterday, and she's got this shirt on, and it says she's got this logo of six across her chest. It's kind of yeah. badass. Well, <laughs> yeah, no, that's, uh, I mean, that was kind of funny. I laughed a little bit. They had a, a close-up of her golf ball on the last hole. She, she was a playing a title with seven with a six around him. Like, you, you couldn't just get us. They wouldn't give me a six. Like, why not? Why <laughs> yeah, so back to the, the main topic, because there is sexism, there is racism in golf, and no one can debate that. And you can try on Twitter if you want, but it's real. But there's also realism, and that is that this is real, meaning there are six Lees. The Lee, a Lee won the tournament, and Tony and Anya, I'm sure you guys have, and women have some stats on. Tony, what was the stat you have on how many, um, what's the stat on the winnings? So this year, um, seven of 13 tournaments now have been won by Korean women uh, who, fly under the, who basically play under the Korean flag. 10 of 13 by women of Asian descent. And if you go back and look at the last 46 tournaments, 67% of them have been won by women of Asian descent. And that includes Americans like uh, like Michelle Wee and Danielle Kang. But I mean, it's it's clear that there is a heavy Asian presence on the LPGA tour. And look, there's nothing wrong with that. That's awesome. Uh, and But the people who are in control and and who are running the show and whatnot need to figure out how to embrace that and tell compelling stories and and elevate these women to to the stars that they actually are, and make sure from a from a public perspective that they are they are presented at that level rather than just sort of failing to acknowledge the fact that yeah we we have a, a heavy Asian I would say dominant presence on the LPGA right now like so that back, that's so real that, the stats bear that out that goes back to Anya's point like Ricky Fowler is on the cover of all these magazines he's yet to win a major right it takes some publicity and some marketing like Anya said, for free on Twitter and social media to elevate these people to a place where they do have interesting people on their tour. You have to let people know who they are, and then that would re hopefully resonate with you know, male and female viewers and make the sport more popular.
you know? Well, I also think, too, we treat Asian players as a monolith, that they're all the same. And we don't, like, from a cultural standpoint, we don't really know how culturally each group is different. And that is problematic because they are different. They have different customs. They were raised differently. And we don't know any of that, though, because we've lumped all Asians into one grouping. And that is that they are robotic and emotionless and have no personality. And from my experience of playing on tour, that's simply not true. And they are some of the kindest, funniest people off the golf course, but we don't know that. And and if we look at the PGA Tour, for instance, I went in and I, I was curious how many foreign-born players have won the PGA Tour events of, in the last year. It almost broke down statistically to the same as LPGA. But the difference is the guys that are winning on the PGA Tour who are foreign-born are white. They're mostly white Europeans. They're from Australia and they're white Australians or they're South African and white. Yeah, so and I, nobody I at... seems to have an issue with the fact that foreign-born players on the PGA Tour are winning often. Nobody talks about it. So to me, it's a problem of just just from from a racial standpoint of of having some sort of bigoted views towards these Asian players and not really understanding them as individuals. So, and that was my problem with what Hank Haney said is that he lumped all these Lees together as just kind of like faceless robotic people who aren't humanized in any way instead of looking at them as individuals. Well, there's, and that goes back to, right, the, everybody knows kind of Ricky Fowler's story, right? And he wasn't, nobody said, well, he's, he's just another white guy in the PGA Tour, right? They found the reason to tell his story. They found what, what's interesting about Ricky Fowler. And, and you're not seeing that on the LPGA right now, where, like you said, there is kind of this lumping together and you, you know, anecdotes here and there because you need something to fill space on the air. But there's nobody sort of, again, telling stories and elevating these, uh, these women. Yeah, that's, the, the, that's the key, right? So, like, we're all born male, female, white, black, whatever color we are. We don't control that. That's not something we can, you know, say, I want to be that. We're, we're, no, we're all the same, yet we're all different, and that's what makes us all great. And the world go around, and, you know, it's unfortunate that that's the world we live in, that those things do somehow, for some stupid-ass reason, matter. But they do matter to people, and at the end of the day, they shouldn't. So it is on us as part of the media to help tell the stories of people on the LPGA or women in the sport to help those stories resonate with all colors and all races and make everyone equal right and i know that's a utopian dream probably to have um, but rather than coming at this with hey here's a problem here's a problem here's a problem there are solutions to almost every problem and you got to look at those and go okay those aren't that complicated tweeting and facebooking and instagramming about some of these people on the lpga tour to let their stories be known and let people like anya say know that they're funny and have they're not faceless you know, just robots, um, I think is, you know, a pretty simple start to a solution of what we're talking about. Well, and I think, you know, for instance, in my case, um, I, I wrote a thread about this last night, actually, about Sari Pak. She was my hero growing up. And, you know, we are not 
from the same nationality. There's nothing really in our backgrounds that are similar whatsoever. But I loved watching her play when I was a little girl. Loved watching her play. And when I saw her win the U.S. Open when I was nine years old, I was like, I want to be her. And I and she won at Black Wolf Run in 1998. It was her first major to win on the LPGA in her rookie season. And then I qualified for the U.S. Open um, in 2015 where it was played at Black Wolf Run. And I tried finding her because <laughs> they were honored. And I, I ended up not finding her but because I, I wanted to tell her what an impact she had in my life as a young player from just her style of play, the way that she carried herself. And she didn't look like me. And I think sometimes we have this, this idea that our heroes are supposed to look like us. But really, there was just something that, for me, I resonated with about her as a player. And I just wanted to be like her because her style of play was just so beautiful to watch. And she had, she was, you know, she swung with a lot of power, but she also had this beautiful tempo that I tried to copy that I never was fully able to do. And I think we need to give people that opportunity to be able to see these Asian players collectively, that they can be heroes and that they can be leaders in the game. Um, but we just don't give them, we don't give them the chance to do that. And I think, for instance, if you look at Lee Six's story, her dad got paralyzed in a driving accident when she was a young girl, when he was driving the truck. And she made it her mission to become the best player that she could be so she could help financially support her family. And now she's a major champion on the LPGA. Her family was not able to be there with her this week because they couldn't afford to travel from South Korea with a wheelchair all the way to uh, South Carolina. And she won that tournament for her parents. And that to me is a great story. It's a sad story, but it's a great story that humanizes her beyond golf. I agree. So all that being said, if you could do one thing like today, because I know you're incredibly passionate about this, Anya, and it comes through in not only the articles you've written before us, but and for my gospel and your tweets and everything. Um, if you could have your way and, you know, click the heels and make things all improve and have one one at least one thing change, what would it be for women's golf in general? I would invest, I would encourage golf media to invest in amplifying their coverage up to 20% more of, of women's golf so and making a real investment in, in it so that they could actually track and see what type of improvements in terms of engagement have, um, are made over time with their audience. You can't just occasionally write about women's golf and then use that as a metric of, oh, see, nobody cares, nobody read this piece or not that many people read this piece. You have to do it consistently. And to, to me, it's like, it's like golf, right? Like you're not going to improve on your, your game if you don't practice every day. And if the media doesn't make a concerted effort to improve their coverage every single day of the women, they will never see actual growth in terms of engagement with the audience. And I mean, you'll never know unless you actually do it, but they haven't done it yet. Yeah, my gospel is kind of a prime example. Um, we have wanted to do this for a long time and really didn't find the right person. I had known about you 
prior to me contacting you, you know, when you were playing golf and had followed you on social media for, you know, years ago. And my wife was listening to NPR like she does every day. And she said, I found exactly who you want, who you need to write for you. And she said, your first name, she said, Anya. I said, Alvarez. She said, yep. I said, you're exactly right. And I reached out to you and glad that we could figure out a way to work together because Tony and I have wanted to do this for years. And I can tell you what, it wasn't because the metrics told us we should be doing it, but we needed to do it. At the time, Tony and I looked at our demographic and I think we were 1%, uh, 99% male reader and 1% women, correct? That's a, I mean, that's a really high estimate of <laughs> the number of women we had, but I mean, yeah. So yeah. It's, we had less than 1% was... of our audience were female readers, right? Or watchers or whatever you want to call them. But you have to, you can't do it for that reason, right? And you've got to do it like we always say here, just do the right thing. You know, that's all you got to do. And this is the right thing to be doing. And it does cost money and you don't necessarily get it back. But who gives a shit, right? Do it for the right reason. And this is the right reason. And, but it's you know, also making the assumption that women's golf content only needs to appeal to women, right? Like, look at there's a lot of women who are fans of the PGA, and and quite frankly, most fans of the LPGA are men. I think we do need to do a better job of engaging the female fan base and getting more women into golf as a general fan base. But content shouldn't be based around around women's golf. Shouldn't be based around only trying to connect with women. It should just be around connecting with people who enjoy good stories, who enjoy watching the best players in the world. Totally agree. And to agree. be frank with you, most men would benefit from learning from the LPGA players versus guys on the PGA Tour because you are not going to swing it at 115 miles per hour like Roy McIlroy. Like, dream on all you want. Do all the exercises you want. You will not do it. Like, <laughs> you, you likely what. won't do it. And if you do do it, you probably won't hit it straight. And you would benefit better from hitting it 250 down the middle every time like the women on the tour do and keeping it in play versus hitting it 350 into the tree. Into a bush. <laughs> I, I learned a few things playing with Caroline Masson. Yeah, so Sam just played in the um, Kings Mill Pure Silk Pro-Am this past week, the week before. So what would you learn? Gosh, the, you know, they don't hit it as far as I do, but I don't think – I, no, I know for a fact Caroline did not miss a fairway, and her short game is unlike anything I've ever seen. And Laura Davies, yeah, she was, was down the middle every she's time. She's a legend, you know. She she was out there having a good time. She's towards the end of her career, but man, she hits a three. Like I said last week, she hits a three yard cut with her driver and a three yard draw with her irons, and she doesn't miss. Yeah, they play a game more typical to the average golfer, you yeah. know, um, that we can relate better to. Like Anya said, so Anya, back to your point of um, not making it writing articles for women but writing good articles and content for whoever right do you know of any people out there that are doing a good job at that whether it be a large media outlet or individuals that people our readers or whoever's watching or listening to this can go out there and look at some of the content they're producing well i mean i think uh, golf.com has really started changing their approach towards content in general and i like the direction that they're going in um, I just hope that it includes telling stories about women in golf in the future. Um, and I, I know that, you know, Golf TV, they signed their deal with Tiger and uh, Francesco Molinari. So it'll be interesting to see how that money that they spent in getting these exclusive contracts with them pans out and what type of actual content they, they will be getting 
with that, but you're getting a behind the scenes look at these players, which I think is more interesting than seeing them play at times because we know that they're great players already, but what makes them great is to me more interesting. Um, Women's Golf Journal uh, is another great magazine that really tells compelling stories. And if you're a guy, I would actually encourage you to read it <laughs> um, because they just, there's some great journalism in that. Um, and then the Golfer's Journal has done a lot of great work too. I've written a, a piece for them about Paul Bomer, who is uh, the main club guy on the LPJ, kind of to Tony's point earlier. There, there's a handful of tour vans, club uh, companies that will go to certain LPJ events, and it's mostly majors. Uh, but there's one guy, Paul Bomer, who is at every single LPGA event, and he has a van that has every club head, every shaft that you can think of, and he's the go-to guy. And the most trusted uh, guy on the LPJ for if there's any issues with the players' clubs. And he, he's been out it, there for over 20 years. And he's independent, or is he... He's contracted out by the LPGA. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. But that's still really cool. Yeah, I mean, I just ran I told John before we went on, but... Um the women's golf journal had an article that was great it was called gentlemen only ladies forbidden a history and i recommend anyone out there go read it um it was it was a it will shock you to some degree if you're a male golfer in this industry of there you go uh, matt's pulled it up for everybody to see if you get a chance check that article out i think it's worth reading and, and I think, I'll, too, I mean, they should just read some of the pieces that I've written for you so far. <laughs> Not because they're great pieces, but, I mean, they are. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, look at the comments and the reactions that you're getting on. I mean, they're funny as hell, um, how fired up people get around the conversations around women in golf. And if, But look for the comments that are written by women. And if you're a dude read the comments by the women and try to learn from it versus being afraid of changing an industry that needs to be changed. There's a reason why golf hasn't connected with women the way that it has with men. And it's for a couple reasons. One, there's not a lot of women who work in the golf industry that are able to make and drive decisions. That's slowly changing, but we still have an incredibly long way to go. And secondly, if we look at golf media, there's not a lot of women that work in golf media that are telling stories and that can help drive the narrative around golf as well. So that part of the industry has to change. You can't get a lot of women interested in golf if they don't see themselves in that space in terms of representation. And so I would just encourage men who get fired up when we're talking about these things to not get defensive because it's not like we're trying to take golf away from you. We're just trying to enhance the experience for everyone else that we want to get involved. Well, I, mean, go ahead. I mean, that's that's a very good point. I mean, I know that it's very hard for women who are in the media to even get into a media. I mean, my fiance was a news reporter for the New England Patriots and she says it's in, it's nearly impossible to get hired as a um, as a reporter on on any sport, whether it be golf or anything, because it's not seen as as the thing to do. They they have a generalization that 
ladies do not know what they're talking about because they haven't played the sport. My, my, my fiance was, it, it still is the most impressive football. I was going to say she could probably school. Oh school my god, she she she's told me and made me learn learn so much about football alone. I feel like I've played the sport, and I think that's another problem. There is women know sports more than some men do and they've never played well it's just crazy that we would think that they don't have the That's ability to do anything the yeah, same correct. as we do i mean yeah, what amazes me is like anya i'm sure you remember that tweet that had that comment from the guy that said basically did you ever think that women just want to cook oh, and clean God, yeah um, <laughs> run errands. They had errands to run. That was yeah. It. Yeah, they're fun, right? But that's <laughs> that is yeah, busy running should, errands. You should pull up that tweet and put it in the in the. We video. did. For, we did put it on last week's episode. I mean, it was pretty shocking, yet pretty, you know, not shocking in the it's, fact it's that it's real. It's real, right? It's real. This is what's well, going on. And there, I, there was another one too, Adam. That the guy was actually, if you kind of read through it, he seemed like he was on Anya's side, but. It started out by saying, like, when my wife started playing, I let her know immediately that this was a men's game. And I'm like, okay, all right. You just lost my respect straight away. I can't imagine. If any of these people have daughters, shame on them, man. Like, literally, I mean, I have a daughter, and there's no chance in hell I'm ever going to tell my daughter, you can't do anything mm -hmm. that a man can do. It's just not possible. It's not happening. Yeah. And if I were to hear someone try to tell her that, I mean, it's just remarkable that we still feel, think, and say those type of things in 2019. But that's the world we live in. And, you know, all I can say is this. To wrap this up, have an open parachute first. Because if you don't, there's no wind taking your sail anywhere, brother. You know? And two, two just go out there and proactively look for good content written by whoever. It doesn't matter. Go on to Anya's articles that she's written for us and read the comment sections and tell me that what's going on that we're talking about today is not real, first of all. And like she said, go and read the women's comments because they were the most rational ones out of the entire <laughs> string of what's going on in our comment section nowadays. They make up 1% of our readers and the most 99% of the most rational comments at this point. And also, that being said, just go watch an LP LPGA event. Go to one. Like, they're fun. Play they're pro-am. You'll learn something. Dude, they were more enjoyable than any... PGA tournament I've ever been yeah. to. I mean, uh, it was a cool yeah, experience. Yeah, I mean, granted, yes, you we we can go in um, on the other side of the ropes a lot easier than you can PGA tour, but the atmosphere just felt so warm and collective. You yeah. Know? Well, yeah. get to know the women's sport. Everybody is a part of this growth, in my opinion. Meaning, if we don't all participate in this communication, is the key to any relationship, any change, any anything, and that means open communication and willingness to listen, not just talk over people. You have to listen to everyone's side, even if that is somebody's opinion that you don't want to hear. They have an opinion too. It doesn't mean you have to change your mind, but just be open to it and let's all work together to make this a better experience for everyone in the sport, male, female, whatever color, it doesn't matter. So that being said, that's no putts given today. And Anya, I appreciate you coming on here and honestly uh, giving the point of view that really matters on this topic. And it's not ours, it's yours. Thank you again, and we'll see you soon. Thank you, Anya. Thank you.